0: path series called afterlife it deals with how to deal with this stuff that happens to us physically we're not going to be here forever and uh whether we like it or not we need to face this reality um and it's sure it's better to face it with an open heart and open mind rather than uh with fear mm-hmm.
1: i believe that movie gets right to it too with uh debunking debunking the whole fear-based ideas also if you if you watch the movie the path afterlife uh, you know what I'm talking about.
0: So today we're going to be chatting with April Hanna, the producer, and
1: we also have Mike Habernig. Um, Habernig,
0: A- Michael Habernig.
1: April, April Hanna is the producer, and Mike is the director.
0: Mike is the director, and we also have uh, be enjoying conversation with one of the cast members, sure. Hillary ramo who, when you watch the movie, you'll you'll hear her incredible story on there as well. So. Uh, Without further ado, David, let's get to
1: it. Okay, let's bring on. Let's bring on April first.
2: Hi Hello, guys, April. how are you?
1: Good, good. April, how, hey, are, you how are
0: you?
2: Good. Thanks so much for having us on.
1: Okay, and let's see if this other caller is Michael. Hello, caller Michael. Michael,
2: you with us? Yep, I'm with you guys.
1: No, we have hey, David we have. and Justin. Yeah. There Hello. Yeah, hey, how you doing? Good, man. Good. How
3: are you, sir? Pretty good.
1: Is this Michael Habernig? Yes, it is. Oh, good. We uh, we we loved your movie, sir.
2: Mike, that's where you're supposed to say thanks.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Mike,
2: Mike. My phone is cutting out. Um,
1: oh, okay. Um, what did you say? I said we we really enjoyed your movie, man. It's uh, oh,
3: you oh, you exactly. approached a
1: very difficult subject, but uh, you removed all uh, most most of the problems that people have. Um, you explained a lot of it away.
3: Well, thank you. I, um, it was uh. At least in the first film it was uh, very difficult to uh to try and convey uh, many different beliefs and um you know at least trying to at least somehow show that there is a afterlife and um uh, the best way to define uh, i guess your own answers is to do your own research and that's uh I think that film is a good way to to start uh at least in researching some questions.
0: Mm-hmm. Let's bring in our. Uh, looks like a, maybe a Skype caller Hopefully it'll be Hillary.
4: Can you guys hear me?
0: Yes, we can. Hello there.
4: Hello, this is Hillary.
0: Hi, Hillary. Welcome to the
1: show.
4: Hi. Thanks for having me on.
1: So we have. So, so far, we have Mike Habernig, which is the director. We have April Hanna, the producer, and we have one of the, one of the people featured in the in the film, The Path, uh, Hillary Ramo. Welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. So my first impression of this movie, guys, was, again, we just talked about how how this is kind of a a sticky subject for a lot of people because most people are afraid of this subject. And, you know, oftentimes it takes a lot of soul-searching and a lot of research, as Michael said, and a lot of kind of digging around to kind of come to your own conclusion. But, you know, the first thing that struck me within the first few moments of this movie and all the way through was, uh, it doesn't matter what you believe in, it doesn't matter um, your background, uh, you know these folks in the movie here, they really bring it to you in a way that we all can can kind of grab onto and understand and really get behind because it you know there's not no do- there isn't any dogma or anything attached to it. You know here's the fact we're not gonna live physically forever, um but you can have something to look forward to,
2: yeah, definitely, and I think um you know one of the best opening segments that we have in the film comes from William Buhlman and the analogy that he gives about really trying to figure out life after death and using the analogy of a train ride and transportation and when you leave your house of course destination to go to, you know, and how come some people aren't researching and trying to find out what is gonna happen when they die. So um, we really we love that segment and we actually also won a contest off of a YouTube contest of the Institute of Neurotic Sciences for using that clip for a one-minute shift contest. Uh, so we loved it so much we had to get it in the film as well.
1: Mm-hmm. One of the, one of the more powerful moments in, in the film early on was, <clears throat> I forget who said it, but they were talking about beliefs in general. And when they said when when you can get beyond beliefs and you know it, uh, that's when a lot of the answers will come to you. Uh, do, do you remember that, that particular segment?
2: Yeah, we had um, two people, two or three people that really talked a lot about trying to move past the belief systems. Uh, Thomas Campbell, the nuclear physicist, was one. Paul Rademacher, who is the executive director of the Monroe Institute. um, And Skip Atwater also really talked about how beliefs can sometimes be a trap because it really limits you in exploring further and going out there. Um, and I think you know, Mike and you know, Hillary, too, can speak from their own experiences, but I think going into making this film, both Mike and I had some belief systems that were pretty much, I guess, deconstructed by the end of making this film, which was actually very liber- liberating for me uh, to not have to be so sucked into certain belief systems. And now I would say my mind is much more open than it was before.
1: So the the labor of making the movie itself turned out to be an inward journey mm-hmm. in, in your lives. That's good.
0: Yeah, we can certainly agree with that because you know the whole the whole reason we've ever even thought about doing this show was to grow from it and to help others grow along the way. You know, it just seems to work better when you're helping people do something, in turn they help you whether they know it or not, and and that's really refreshing to hear you say that. To me, it, it certainly again it's a subject that people should be talking about more. Because there's, concerning death and, and things like that, it's usually all a bunch of negative speak that you hear from people. They're not really looking forward to it. And, you know, there's a few of us, uh, me and David included, we are actually looking forward to it because you know, that's just the next chapter, you know. That's just something to look forward to rather than try to run away from mm-hmm. because in the end, whether, you, whether you're running or not, you're going to get dragged there anyway.
2: Exactly, and I think one of the most powerful things is actually to sit across from people who have come very close to facing death, and um, when we sat across from Hillary, she was actually able to share a story just like that. I'm not sure, Hillary, if you'd like to share that um, as well, but it was really, I think, empowering for both Mike and I to hear it.
4: Uh, Sure. I think, um, you know, I've been listening to you guys talk, and one of the things I'd like to comment on is how the belief structures they They really do lead us in a direction that uh, you know our beliefs create a reality, and so, as we kind of weave through what our belief systems are about death, we're going to have those experiences. Accordingly, and uh, one of the things about death that's been kind of hijacked from us by you know, mainstream uh, thought systems and, and organized religion is that you know if we if we behave a certain way, then we'll be rewarded, um, right. and and that has kind of uh, taken the whole thing outside of us. And and what you said before about the journey being starting within is where people really have to go when they when they face their own death. You really have to go within yourself to to make amends with yourself and to look over your life and recalculate what you've experienced. And that's really what happens at the moment before... You, you, if you, if you have time to actually evaluate that before you actually, you know, make the transition. Um, some people who are killed instantly, you know, we really don't know what happens after that. But when you're sitting there, and that happened to me, you know, I was, I was diagnosed with terminal blood, blood clots, as you know from watching the movie, and,
2: mm-hmm. you know, I
4: had some time to sit there and recapulate my life in the hospital room and uh, it was it was the moments and the experiences and the, the times that i had made most authentic and i was most present for that i was able to go back and relive and really you have to excuse my voice i'm getting over a cold i was able to really tune into, to, to, you know, in a way, take their essence and, and let that fill me at that moment when, uh, you know, I really wasn't sure what was going to happen. And I think that's a powerful message for everybody. If you, li- if you just live your life according to uh, the, the, the moment, the, the now, you know, the presence, uh, uh, the power of the now, and you be authentic to who you are and you work every moment at rebuilding your relationship with yourself and making it more empowered and more intimate, then everything else around you becomes more empowered and more intimate. Because in your belief systems, if you, if you heal and work on the relationship you have with yourself, then it kind of spreads out like a spider web through your whole life. And so death is a real powerful teacher if we allow it to be, and we've lost touch with that as a culture mm-hmm. um, on a very, very big level so it's a big topic but for me that was the biggest lesson that came out of that experience was Really being fully present with my relationships and my work and my clients and everything, but especially with myself, to be present with myself and to know myself better and to be authentic to you know myself and not limit myself by my belief systems, to always allow the thought of well, maybe this is true, but maybe it 's not so let's let 's go in there as fully as I can and experience it and see what happens, and always leaving kind of a question mark. Uh, or, of a, you know, room for the possibilities to come into a situation. I think we've gotten so wrapped around how things have to be or how they should be or what they really are according to this or that. And uh, we've taken away the mystery that we really have to bring back in, which, you know, it, it is like a void. And if we don't leave that void there, then we leave, we eliminate the, the world of possibilities. So I think it's about getting back to that also. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, David and I have had several guests uh, throughout the years who, who were some of them skeptics, some of them were uh, of different backgrounds, but many of them were not of the idea that there is more. You know, there are other things out there that we can't see and hear right away. And the one thing I noticed is is that when they find themselves near death, it changes them so dramatically. But it changed them in a positive way, which, which always kind of kind of makes me uh, kind of chuckle sometimes because here's a thing that 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 is so feared and so you know people try to run from it as best they can, yet when it when it comes upon them, uh, it transforms them for the better.
2: Yeah, I mean one of the things too, it's a great point that probably because of having that experience, they were able to feel that they were more than their physical body can live to tell about it, and then come back to realize how truly precious life is that many of us probably take for granted each and every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
4: I think it also, it resets your priorities. You know, yeah. it's kind of like hitting the reset button, and you really realize what's what's important and what needs most of your attention.
1: Well, I'll share with you all now one of the, <clears throat> as as a person in the audience, one of the biggest take-homes for me after watching the movie was that the, the whole movie uh, portrays and, and, and brings up the fact that uh, most of the population is, is looking. You know, they're actively searching for the answers, you know. And a lot of the people that you interviewed, they have the answers. They've been there, and they've come back to tell us about it. And um, their message is that everything is okay and to just live in the now, like um, like Hillary said. So I really, after watching it, I really felt like... um. I had entered into a, a second childhood where I spent a lot of time looking for these answers. And and because the movie put everything that I know into perspective, it uh, took the puzzle pieces that I already had and, and, and arranged them in the right way. It allowed me to, to carry on with my life, not so much concentrating on, on what will be, but what I'm doing right now just for the pure sake of enjoying it.
4: And isn't that a beautiful thing? I mean, if somebody can walk away from the experience, and that's really a, a beautiful and powerful message. And one of the things I really loved being a part of this project was how, uh, you know, authentic April and Mike are to who they are and their spiritual path and, you know, how, how big their hearts are. And so that came across in putting this project together for me as a, as a cast member, seeing it from that point of view. But also when people watch this, you know that that awesome seems to ripple out across the field. You know, people just and hopefully, I, you know, me contributing to that. I hope that that's the message people walk away from myself because that's what happened for me. And so, it's a if anything, it's a beautiful, wonderful, positive message to keep passing on to other people too.
1: Mhm. It's a it's a gift to the world, really. It's a to set people at peace to let them know that everything is okay and and let them go about their way and and enjoy the rest of their lives as if they don't have nothing to worry about that's uh that's probably one of the biggest things you could give to someone their life you gave them existence you know
0: right i have a question yeah. for, for i'm sorry go ahead
2: oh no i i just also wanted to say that with you know making the film in the way that uh people came together and who we interviewed and then when mike and i sat down in the editing room and actually you know sorted through over 70 hours of footage to fit into about an hour and 11 minutes it was really pretty magical um and there there really aren't any words for me to explain it because it really felt like there was a true divine force helping us create this and make it you know i don't think either mike nor i had any type of ego involved and how things should be i mean You know, we got along great in putting the film together and just all the people that we met. It was like the right people at the right time, asking the right questions, you know, and just having experiences with all of those interviews. It was really an awesome awesome thing, and I'm so glad I got a chance to be a part of it as well.
0: And that's a perfect statement because I was going to ask you. I was very curious, you know. I've watched the movie several times, and one thing that stands out is, this just this impressive cast of characters here. These 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 people who are just from so many different backgrounds. They all kind of have the same uh, goal, or, or or maybe the same direction. But that might be because they're just you know very open-minded, um, and they've had a lot of experiences. How did you guys get such an impressive cast together to to make this thing happen?
3: Uh, we started out um, talking about how we would go about, you know shooting this and, uh, the different kinds of uh, experiences and stories we want to include in the, in the film. And so I I had, uh, a partial list of, of people that I, I always wanted to interview, um, like Thomas Campbell and William Buhlman, uh, being a couple. Um, and then April had a list of, uh, her people that she, she always wanted to interview and some of them were her mentors. Um, so, just started contacting people, and uh, it, it, we went, went one by one down the list. And there was, there was a couple people that couldn't for legal obligations. Um, I know uh, we, we talked, I, I believe it was uh, Brian Weiss has uh, um, a contract with CBS, so he couldn't do it, um, yeah. that, that kind of thing. But there, there, I'd say probably about 98% of the people we contacted uh, wanted to do it. They were excited about it. And uh, that's how we got started. And uh, um, actually, Hillary was actually the first person we interviewed. And it was probably a good good thing we interviewed Hillary first because she kind of set the pace for everybody else that we interviewed. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of, we knew what kind to expect after interviewing Hillary. Um, And it it was actually a good learning experience, too, because there were some things that, I didn't know that I didn't, or I didn't expect that she was going to say that came up during the interview, and uh, I, I don't know if April or Hillary want to talk about any, anything, but um, related to this. But uh, that, that's, that's what I, I, I liked about it.
2: Yeah, I think uh, yeah, Hillary was our first interview, and again, we came in with about three pages of questions, and you know, she was just so gracious, gave us all of our time, you know, wasn't in a rush to get us out of there. And we were able to ask her so many different questions. And then she was able to bring up, you know, even more things from her own experience that made us say, hmm, maybe we should ask this person about that and this person about that question. So that was great. And there's actually a really funny story um, to finding Hillary. Hillary and I never knew each other before this. And, you know, when you think about how people's paths cross, uh, you know, we're both holistic healers, and we were doing a wellness fair together maybe back in 2007, I think. And um, there was a Healing Springs journal that is a publication in Saratoga Springs, New York. And I would always see her name and her business card in there, and she would write articles for this magazine so i thought oh, okay you know there's that hillary Ramos name again then i went to the wellness fair and i happened to see her table and i remember seeing her and thinking wow there was just such a powerful energy about her and i didn't have a chance to go up and introduce myself or talk to her because i was running my own table and then my mom showed up to support me at this event and sure enough she runs over oh my gosh i got this t-shirt from hillary ramos table april you have to see her she's such a beautiful woman so I'm like, okay, this is strange. And, um, and then when Mike contacted me, like he said, I had a bunch of mentors, but then I was like, you know what, I have to find out who this Hillary Ramo person is because I just felt a real strange connection from such afar and had no idea why. And that was the year before Mike even contacted me. And I said to Mike, well, there's this other person. I think we should try her. And, bam, she agreed. So, you know, it's, it's things like that and connections that happen and that have happened through making the film that have been pretty incredible, okay. I love that story by the way. I,
4: I was trying not to laugh at the whole thing because it was it's so funny how synchronistic events happen like that, and I just first time I didn't even know that that story had happened until uh I think we had done another interview someplace else or we we had come out somehow, and uh so we never really know the other side of things that are happening that put people together, and so it was so interesting to me to hear. April's uh, story when she finally told it. And for me, the filming took, the actual, when Mike and April actually filmed me, um, it was, I think it was in April, yeah, it was around the middle of April, but it was also the time uh, my grandfather, who was a big influence, and I speak about him in the movie, um, in fact, I think there's a picture in there of him as well, um, it was his anniversary of his death. And so every year at that time, I do something in honor of his passing, and it's been about 12 years now, going on of almost 12 years. So every year I've done something to better myself as a person or to just go deeper and keep cutting into the, the layers, of, so to speak. And so this year, this particular year, filming in this movie happened to be, you know, what I considered um, carrying the torch, so to speak, and that was what I had promised my grandfather that I would do before he passed. And so mm-hmm. it was a perfect thing to add to this whole mixture of uh, of a wonderful energy to put behind this project um so and i don't think i had shared that with you guys before either that's something i haven't hadn't talked to you guys about so this is the first time that you guys are hearing that too so it's, it's right. interesting i love to hear how the connections always work on all the other sides
2: <laughs> yeah definitely and you know the other The other thing that we were really fortunate, the people we were really fortunate to interview were people from the Monroe Institute, which um, is a research affiliation. You know, they investigate the evolution of human consciousness. Um, You know, they're devoted to just, getting more data and information about that. Um, you know, they're pioneers of hemi music. And yeah. honestly, I had never heard of the Monroe Institute before I met with Mike. So I was a bit naive um, as to where we were going. And then after I realized how big of an institute this was and how they have centers all around the world and people go there for these really long retreats to delve into their consciousness and really experience that they're more than their physical body was just to me and I think with their credibility that brings even more credibility to our film as well because people see well you know this is an institute that has been doing a lot of research and has touched a lot of lives uh, you know through consciousness and the study of it so I think that that also brings credibility to our film as well.
0: Yeah it certainly did for me Mm
1: -hmm. I've been wanting to get Hillary's um, story you know as as relived tell us Tell us what you experienced as it was happening, like you really live in the moment, because uh, you know these stories that are in the in the in the movie, they're very powerful moments, and uh, to get to get another person's perspective on it is, uh, you know, somebody that's actually been there and knows what they're talking about is is priceless. So, could could you relive the moment for us just one more time?
4: Uh, sure. Um, well, I think what I what I remember the most is that every time I let my emotions overcome me with, you know, um, like a sense of grief or if I lowered myself into like a self-pity state or a depressed state, um, what I call lower vibrational states of emotion, um, my vitals would change, you know, they would, they would change, they would, I would start to get worse um and being in the ICU I was only allowed to be visited by immediate family members and even that that can in itself can be extraordinarily stressful because not only are you dealing with kind of maintaining and generating your own strength and your own energy to just deal with your body and what it's going through you know you, you also are affected by the energy bodies of those around you, so mm-hmm. you know as the, as the family members would come in you know it would it would affect me as well and At one point, I actually had to ask certain family members to just not come in for a little while until I was in a, until I was out of that that zone of um, you know really not sure what was going on so this was an experience for me of. Boundaries and uh, making the, the mind-body connection that much more um, true for myself. Um, noticing the places that I would go in, the, in my mind and, and how I would think um, about myself and my life. If I got lost in like sadness, because I have two young children too, so I would have to. They would come in and visit me, and that was a really difficult element to add to the experience. Um, you know, they're both. They were at the time. Were both under the age of 11. And so, you know, to have them kind of looking at me and, you know, taking on the hat of the mom and saying, okay, what am I going to do? You know, as far as far as talking to them about my situation and what's happening, and how am I going to say goodbye if this is a really the time for me to go? And the the thought of dying consciously was something that was very extraordinarily important to me. So if it was, in fact, my time to go, then I had to honor that, and I wanted to make sure that everything was as it should be. I mean, you really don't expect yourself to pass away in a hospital room surrounded by nurses and doctors who just are doing their job, and, you know, some of them you can tell are just doing their job, and other ones have a little more, you know, compassion into their roles and stuff. But it's really very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, it's it's not a compassionate setting. It's not really set up for conscious death. Death has become this kind of mechanical thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, and so when I would ask for time, you know, uh, I had I had another friend of mine who does Reiki, and, and she came in to see me. I, I asked them to let her come in to see me. It was this big ordeal, and uh, that was that was a really wonderful moment for me to have somebody do that kind of energy work. Um, and that session was extraordinarily powerful for me because i could feel a lot of things energetically just letting go and at at one point even my children you know i really had to say goodbye to everything that i had you know grown attached to in this lifetime and and i think as a mom as a you know when you have children that's really one of the most powerful attachments that you can have and you know have, knowing that it was if this is it then i need to be able to say goodbye to them um and when i talk about that experience or when i talk about that moment to people they have a really hard time understanding that you know what do you mean let go of your kids what do you mean you know say goodbye to your children and they don't really know how to compute that i can see it in their face when i talk about that situation they kind of they kind of put it on a shelf and they'll deal with that later (laughs) because it's a really hard thing to to wrap your mind around but for me it was this this I had two days to sit there and and let the medicine work, and the doctors were straight up with me, and they said, well, it's either going to work or it's not, and it's probably not going to work, so make sure all your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed. Mm. And uh, the reality of that really sets in, but then a strange thing sort of happened for me because I had this two-day period to think and feel and be and appreciate. I found myself more... I guess kind of diving into the happier moments, um, the memories that made me smile, the things that uh, uh, brought my life up a notch, I guess. And uh, there was this wonderful sense of calmness um, that that was very tangible. And I felt the veil very thin at times, and uh, so I knew that, this, okay, you know, if this is it, then, then I'm ready to go, and, and uh, you know, but uh, there really were not more things I wanted to do, but, you know, that's my mind talking, well, there's lots of things I would like to do, there's always things we would like to do, and I was thinking of all the things I had planned on doing, and, you know, and I had to, it was just this odd sensation of release and disattachment and, and making sure that you know, hey, we're all humans and it really didn't matter what I had accomplished, it didn't matter what I had studied, it didn't matter what degrees I had, it didn't matter it didn't matter about any of that stuff. The only thing that mattered was how strongly did I love somebody. How how much, you know, time did I spend with my kids where my mind wasn't thinking about what's for dinner or how many emails do I have to return later or what deadlines do I have for work. Um, and so the more present I was with those in my life at the past, at that point, those memories were that much more powerful, and I could kind of wrap them around me like a blanket. And after that point was over, from my, that point on, after I after I got through that, I'll tell you, that summer, we had the best summer because I let everything go. And I, that's one of the biggest lessons I've taken from this experience, too, is that you know, when I'm when I'm focused on something, I'm 100% focused on it. And if I wear 10, 12, 15 hats, it doesn't matter because whatever hat I put on at any given time has my full attention. And uh, it's it's been a real, I don't know, a foundational lesson for me to carry on from that point on. And it's been about two years, I think, year and a half, two years since that happened. And uh, so much has happened in my life, and so much has manifested, and, and my relationships are that much better because of it. And it really has changed my outlook on everything. Um, and you don't ever forget those lessons. This isn't something that happens and then fades away eventually. You know, sometimes we go through things, and you know, the lesson's really clear, and really, we could hold on to it for a while, and then eventually it fades off, and we have we find ourselves learning the same lesson over and over. When you actually face your own death and you realize you're not afraid of it anymore, it completely changes everything about you as a human being. And uh, when we realize that death isn't something to fear anymore, then we spend all of our time living. You know, Mm -hmm. instead of being caught up in this, oh, my gosh, you know, what if I get cancer or what if I get this or what if I get that, it freezes us in this kind of stance of non-movement and we don't pursue things that with passion and with our full vitality the way we really are designed and meant to do and i think once you take that fear away you really give somebody the permission to be all that they are and to go out into the world and fulfill that destiny that they have and uh you know i i i, th- I think it's a really incredible teacher and so that that experience for me i hope i i ex- i answered your question
0: this, um, yeah.
4: Was mm-hmm. multi-dimensional. It was very complex. There was a lot of different facets of how you can look at that situation, um, and uh, you know, hopefully, I've touched on a little bit of all of it.
1: Mm-hmm. I was planning on asking you if uh, if life is that much sweeter now, and do you fear death? But you nailed those within what you said there. That's that was beautiful.
4: I think it's also it's also. Um, important to know that it's coming and if we just embrace it and we just spend you know more time in the in the in the present moment and we just focus on living and stop focusing so much on you know what's how to prevent our death and we we focus more on well hey you know this is the statement I'm going to leave in my life and this is the thing I'm going to do um and then when I die I'm going to know that I have on some level created something beautiful in this world and now i'm going to go on to the next place and and do the same thing it changes everything
0: it's fortunate for us to be able to share in that experience not only through you know through your personal story but everybody's story that that we meet throughout the course of the film because it's just it's just an avalanche of inspiration you know i mean it just it just like tumbles down upon you and uh, you you can't help but but not be uh, negative or cynical even about something like death, where, where most people are. The stories are a great, you know, have a great impact. You know, when I think about that, uh, for someone like me or David, um, who are already open-minded and not, you know, not a whole lot afraid of uh, things like that, if it can have a huge impact on us, when well, we're already like-minded to, to what the folks in the movie are saying, imagine, I, I just can't imagine the impact on somebody who uh, may be cynical, I You know, I, I, I just can't believe that somebody could walk away from this film and say, uh, you know, anything other than, wow. Yeah, well, we've had a lot that. of great
2: reviews. Um, oh, I'm sorry.
0: No, go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm going to sorry. say that,
2: that we've definitely had a lot of uh, positive reviews, and a lot of what you guys are saying has been the feedback that we've been getting.
0: Good. So that's good, because I didn't want anybody to call me a liar, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, I wanted to ask you, I read somewhere um, – some of the inspiration uh, that, that caused you to kind of reach out and start doing this stuff, um, you know, bringing these folks together and and putting this, this film together was, you know, that you had dealt with several family members passing, you know, kind of in a short time. Did you, would you care to speak, speak to that?
3: Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, it was over a uh, course of a year um, where we had at least one or two family members and friends between my family and my, my wife's family just passing away. Um, some are you know, it's ex- uh, old and expected, you know, to go natural causes, but then there were some that were very sudden and, you know, young people, uh, just and some of them were very tragic and uh, it, it's uh, it, it just started making me, uh, I, I guess, opening my eyes uh, and at that point it was kind of like, okay, I I, I want to know more about this. This is kind of hitting home kind of hard. <laughs> uh, you know, so I, I went online, I, I went on Google, which is a great resource for pretty much anything. And, mm-hmm. uh, there's tons of videos out there, uh, books, podcasts. Um, I know Hillary, uh, has a good show. You, uh, you guys are doing, you know, good stuff. So it's, it's, the information's out there and it's, it's, anybody can, uh, you know access it so it it's it, it um it, you know the, the the possibilities of what maybe another viewer or uh, one of your audience members uh expanding and maybe in a couple of years having their own film or maybe a podcast from something they learned it it's just it, i hope that you know the the community um that's you know researching this will will uh we'll start, uh, what's the word,
2: um, inspiring others.
3: Yeah, that, that's a good way to go. Yeah, it's inspiring others and just, you know, hopefully get more and more people involved. And I I think it's, it, it's just, uh, it's just been a great opportunity.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I'm you know, mean, I said to my wife earlier, she watched it with me. My wife, uh, over the last two years has as a matter of fact, in the last two months, two or three months, she's lost an aunt and an uncle uh, who were, you know, sister and brother to her father who she lost uh, last year. So, you know, when... And my wife's very traditional. She's She kind of goes the opposite way uh, that I do as far as, you know, very rigid beliefs in life and death and things like this. And I can tell you, as she's watching this movie... You can just watch her face, She uh, she's kind of has this look like bull hokey at first, and you know uh, about uh, maybe a half hour into it, her face kind of softens up, and then by the end of the movie, she's crying, and uh you know i I remember asking her if she's all right, so you okay and she's like, yeah, she's like y- you know you've been trying to help me see this, but but now I see it, I get it, I get it wow. because you know she's all yeah, she's always talking about how. There's this really quirky thing that my uh, father-in-law did. He he always gave all the kids pennies. You know, pennies was his thing. He gave them all pennies all the time. And I used to think that was kind of, you know, every grandpa does something different, you know. And After he died, we'd always find these, these damn pennies all over the house. <laughs> uh, no idea where they came from, you know. And with that, she always kind of, th- you know, in, in her mind, she knew that there's got to be something to this. But it was just amazing to watch me, or for me to watch her soften up uh, in the course of, a you know, an hour and a half and say, okay, I you know, I get it. And, and when she says she gets it, she, she you know, she understands a little better now. So I think, you know, f- for me personally, you have hit that mark of trying to inspire, and, and you're not out there to, to force beliefs on people, but, but through your film you're going to find that they're going to kind of go that way on their own, um, and they're going to be better for it.
2: Yeah, if anything, I hope that it opens... People's belief systems up a little bit more and kind of gives Mm -hmm. them a little bit of an aha moment or, hmm, maybe I need to look into this a little bit more. And, uh, you know, Mike and I were trying to figure out a number of different ways how do we start the film? What should we do? And we thought that it was really important to have, you know, the credible people that we have for our film and all the different professions that they're in and how many years they've studied consciousness to really share their own personal stories with death. And I think that's where it all begins. People usually have an experience with death in some shape or form, which leads them either into their own belief system or into their own study of trying to answer this huge question. And I think that that's really helped a lot of people when watching the film. They're able to connect with the cast members that we have on a very intimate and personal level.
0: For those of you out there who are listening right now, Guys, you gotta understand. There's hundreds of years of experience put into this movie, with the three folks that we're talking to today, mixed with all of the other cast members. I mean, I mean, literally, there's like hundreds of years of experience. So, I mean, it's something to look at. It's something to check out. And,
1: well, I can't, I can't exactly remember who said it, Justin. Uh, one of the, one of the cast members said that it usually takes uh, 30 to 40 years before you start worrying about the quality of life. But uh, as Hillary said earlier, it's all coming, and we're all going to have to uh, face this bridge at uh, some point in our lives or another. So I guess it takes a certain level of uh, of maturity before you start actually um, contemplating your own your own mortality. Certainly, certainly, deaths in the family help because they 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 const you know when it happens, it reminds you that that you are not you are not a permanent fixture on this planet. Also and that uh, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect your life one day.
0: I wanted to ask you, April and Michael, about, about the film itself. We all, all the time we see all kinds of different movies. I'm going to put you up against a one that I'm not real fond of, that I hope you're not involved in. It. I don't think you are, but... <laughs>
2: uh,
0: the Secret. We've all watched The Secret. Lots of people have watched The Secret, and David and I joke around about it a lot offline. I always tell them, well, I've watched The Secret for the 15th time, and I still haven't learned anything. Kind of walk us through, I guess, what I'm looking for, is how you put this all together. Because certainly, within within the first half hour, I was finding myself either reaffirming things that I already believed or finding new ways of looking at things. Most films we watch, even documentaries, it's hard to get through the, for lack of a better term, the thick skin of a, of a documentary, because a lot of times the filmmakers are... Their beliefs are very, very, very thick on it, and it's hard to get through that to get to what's underneath. But you know, within your movie, it's within a half hour, maybe not even that long. It, it was like, yeah, wow, yeah, I know that, I understand this. I I need to look into this. So, how did you go about putting that together in, in such a way that that it makes it very easy for everyone to see and understand?
3: It uh, that that was a, that was a very tricky tricky spot. It. Uh uh, April kind of mentioned this before it, it kind of just in a way put itself together if that makes sense at all um, there, there'd there be days where we'd go into the edit room and uh, you know I, I, I'd come in and I'd have one scene that I, I had already structured in my head it's got to be a certain way or whatever and I'm, I know April came in with, with the same scene but her way in her head so we we have a little battle it out kind of thing. And we'd kind of just walk away and say, all right, we'll take a ten-minute break, you know, whatever, go get water, coffee, whatever. And uh, so then we'd come back, and we'd kind of just start over with that scene and kind of took some ideas from her, kind of took some of the ideas from me. And in a way, it was a compromise, but on the other hand, it's just kind of completely different from what we originally intended but it came out better in the end um i guess you could say there was a little bit of ego at times in the edit room i know uh we don't like to think there was but of course you know it realistically it probably was and you know it it did kind of flow together and i I know going into it there was some things that i had a completely um some beliefs that i had to completely strip out of my head and uh just start over and uh, say, okay, how is an audience who's never maybe even heard of some of these things uh, take it? And so it, it, you know, from there it's just kind of, it kind of pieced itself together. And I also have to say that I'm I'm probably more, I'm not a professional. I don't do Reiki or anything that Hillary or or April uh, does. I'm not an author like Tom or or have, you know, uh, research consciousness for 30, 40 years like the uh, Monroe Institute has. Um, So I'm I'm probably more uh, an audience member than a professional by any means. So it's kind of like putting myself where the audience is and and trying to figure out how they would take it. And, uh, yeah, I I mean, I, I don't know if April wants to, Yeah, well,
2: I think that was the funny part that you touched on. It's like, you know, both Mike and I had our own ideas of how things should come together, but then, like you said, in the end, once we started piecing things together and let go of that, that's when the magic really happened, and then it would be like a little touch of his creativity, a little touch of mine, but then a much greater force. And I think, you know, when you talked about the secret, I know a lot of people have... Um, either positive or negative reviews about that, but the one thing that I always say about that film is that it really reached out to the critical mass of people who never really gave any thought to how their thoughts and words and actions are energy and can really manifest things. And yeah, that
0: I would that's, agree with that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the beauty in that film, even though it has its, its ups and downs. And I think that's what Mike and I, like he said, we were trying to do. He was maybe more of like the member of the audience trying to really educate somebody who really was not looking into doing any research about the afterlife. So we've had some people who are very well-versed out there and very well-studied who have seen the film and, you know, kind of feel a little bit of the opposite, like, well, this was kind of review for me. This is 101. But I think, right. again, our goal was to try to reach that critical mass of people who are kind of out there saying, all right, what happens when we die? What's going to happen to me? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, can, I, can I interject something real quick? Sure. Mm-hmm.
4: Um, I, Mike, you, you you said something that kind of caught me is that, you know, well, I'm not this, I'm not that. But I think that's the point is that people want to hear from a wide range of people with vast different backgrounds and Sometimes the ordinary, everyday, average person who has these kinds of experiences, you know, it it really goes beyond credibility and what your background is to the point of Mm -hmm. this is human nature. This isn't something that you get a degree in. And understanding the death process or how we handle it as human beings is not something that you can learn, you know, in college or in school. It's not something that they teach. It's something that has to be experienced by the person themselves. And, you know, because it's so life-changing, you know, it can change anyone from any profession, from any walk of life. And uh, those kinds of stories are the most important to share because as the average and, you know, below and above average and all that other mixed in combined, we find the common thread between all the experiences and we can start to put together the pieces and puzzles of, well, look what everybody seems to say. I don't think I've ever really read one article or, or study done where people have had a horrifying experience where they've crossed over and they've said, oh, my God, I, I can never go back. Oh, my God, right. it was horrible. I've ne- right. I, I don't know if you guys have heard of anything, never. but I really have no. never <laughs> heard anyone of having an, an awful, horrific experience going, crossing over, and coming back. All the near-death experiences I've ever read or, or have heard about have always been positive, love-filled and uh, the, the point is it doesn't discriminate against people regarding to where they stand in our version of what, you know, credibility is or what, where right. you come from or who you are. And uh, even though we all offer a wide variety of, of background experiences and it's all just different kind of you know, looking at the same subject from different perspectives. I think what our common thread is, you know, as producers, as as cast members, and as audience members, is that we're all human Mm -hmm. and that this is something that we all have to do eventually together. So it really doesn't matter where we come from or who we are or what we're doing, but what matters is that we're all going in the same direction, so let's just support each other regardless of of all that other nonsense stuff, you know?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. I think the very beginning of the film really sums that up. The person says, we're all born, we all live, and then we all die. You know, I think that sums it up pretty much. It doesn't, uh, you know, the universe doesn't give a damn about how much you make, how, what color you are, whether you're a boy or a girl. All it knows is you're going to be born, you're going to live, and, and, and you're going to die. And, you know, I say this a lot, but we can, you know, we have two choices. We can either go along, go with the flow, or we can get dragged because one way or the other we're going. It doesn't matter, <laughs> you know. I had uh, yeah. I just wanted to I, I just wanted to say one thing about uh, about uh, um, what we were talking about, and then David can move us on. The first comment is there aren't a whole lot of documentaries or films that 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 that, that, that attempt to try to make a real uh, a real good approach to these subjects. For me, the only two I can think of are this movie and, and The Secret. And you know, the thing with the Secret, it seemed like it was just a giant commercial. Whereas your movie, you know, hit you have all these folks, um, you have Hillary and, and all these other guys, very accomplished people, uh, very knowledgeable, very skillful in, in, in their different aspects, yet they're driving a point to us that is not commercial. It's not they're kinda of pouring their hearts out to us. And it really does come across that way. And, you know, I just, to me, you know, you talked about how, uh, you know, you have the people that, that kind of said, well, this is like one-on-one. You know, I've been here before. This isn't teaching me anything. Well, you know, again, in my household, we had two like that. There was one like me that, that, that might have said, you know, this is all kind of one-on-one. But then, you had know, my wife that that this was just absolutely mind-blowing. She didn't ever think about these things. And I think it reached us both the same way. It was like like I said earlier, you know, some of it was maybe a review for me but but, but it was the personal touch and not the commercial touch that, that really touched my heart to my wife, the point was driven home.
2: Right. Exactly. And I think, you know, if it winds up in somebody's hands mm-hmm. there's a reason why it's there and I I would just have to think that even if like you said, this was review for somebody. There has to be something. There has to be at least one moment, or right. a sentence, or a word that really touches somebody and and you know just gets them to the point of maybe another aha moment or yeah, I really needed to be reminded about that. So that's what I hope at least.
1: <laughs> I guess what I was wanting to go back to earlier was when I was talking about that uh, everyone's gonna everyone's gonna die someday. If I were a millionaire, I would put a copy of this movie in everybody I know's hands because we're we're all gonna face it and uh i think it i think it's a it's a it's a blinder that um and it's and, and it's a waste uh it's a waste of life to go through life dreading the very end of it I think we should be able to take that take that fear and that dread and we should be able to mutate it and turn it into uh motivation to enjoy what's going on. at the the moment, and with that comes a a certain level of detachment, but also it allows you to become attached to what you're doing, if you guys understand what I mean.
2: Sure, yeah, and I think, you know, it's a little bit of a wake-up call, maybe for people who are just doing the daily grind, waking up, you know, going through the motions of family and work and coming back home and complaining about their jobs, complaining Mm -hmm. about everything that's happening in their life. And it's like, hey, you're alive. Take advantage Mm -hmm. of it. You know, try and grow as a person. Um, So I would agree with that.
1: A little behind-the-scenes question for you. Uh, During the making this, I'm sure you guys, you know, you were in close contact with each other on a regular basis. Were there any were there any uh friendships made any any brotherhoods sisterhoods do do you do you guys still stay in contact with each other because you have a a, a common ground to stand on well, yeah yeah.
4: Uh, yeah i i think you know the fact that you know just meeting mike in april and april and i have had a couple different experiences outside of the path um we've collaborated on a couple projects and and we still have to get together to do uh, something else, because I, I think her and I have brainstormed on a couple of things we'd like to do, and, and it's kind of just sitting there cooking, so to speak. But I know that it's something that uh, is going to come up in the future. And, you know, I just spent uh, five days in London with Tom Campbell and uh, his crew, and it was an extraordinary experience. And the friendships that I made with Tom and his wife and uh, the producers of, of their event were just really 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 wonderful and solid and there was a lot of wonderful connections and stories that kind of followed through and um so for me as a cast member it's been really great and i'm looking forward to meeting um some of the other cast members who i haven't met in person yet at the new york premiere um because uh, i I, i'm particularly drawn to some of their stories and would just like to meet them in person so Mm -hmm. absolutely i can vouch for that firsthand on this end
2: yeah, and uh, you know, Mike and I continue this day to work together as, you know, one of our goal is to have three more DVDs put out. So, um, you know, with that and also with meeting Tom Campbell, he has allowed us and given us the opportunity to film a lot of his workshops and create uh workshop DVDs for him as well. And I myself personally have also had a chance to be able to work with tom on some various healings and things of that sort so he's been a great teacher of mine and um you know i just respect him dearly and then i had you know a couple of other people who i had already known like jeanette defoe who was a registered rn she was my very first mentor who ever performed any type of energy work on me So she is kind of like a mother figure to me in so many ways and yet one of the best teachers because she's the first one that introduced me to energy work. Um, You know, Paul Rademacher from the Monroe Institute, he came to the Asheville, North Carolina premiere, and he's just a wonderful guy, so that was great to see him again as well. Uh, Lindsay Sass, I actually uh, over the weekend had a phone call from my private practice of a woman that lives close to her in need of some holistic work for her children so i plan on giving a referral down to her uh carol von canal the reiki master was also one of my reiki masters as was robert weisberg so you know we usually are in touch i kind of feel like we've built a very nice network of people through this film and one of the most rewarding things for me is actually going to get all of these people in the same room together because I don't think any of them knew that they were going to be connected to 11 other people in creating a film that is now being distributed all over the world. So that's mm-hmm. going to be really neat for me. I'm going to enjoy that part of the Q&A panel and, you know, everybody just introducing themselves and actually getting them all in the same room.
1: Whenever you mention uh, the Path 11 productions, 11 people, and I want 11 minutes, was was that a coincidence?
3: Oh, um. Uh, well the uh actually I think there's twelve to thirteen people in the oh. in the film oh, okay. um but yeah the um the uh the length of the film actually we we did a uh we did a rough cut um probably about a month before it was released, mm-hmm. and we screened it for you know some of our family and friends and uh I think the film was only maybe uh not an hour it was like ten minutes shorter so it was like one oh one uh in minutes. And, uh, you know, we, we they gave us some notes. They said, oh, we like this. Uh, we need to know more. And actually, the fu- funny thing is, I think Hillary's uh, story was originally cut out, and then we put it back in after the screening, and there was a couple other clips I can't remember offhand.
4: Paul. Oh, um,
3: Paul. Oh, Paul. Yeah, Paul had a, a, an amazing story about um, his work in the ministry before going to the Monroe Institute mm-hmm. and once we put those clips in it and uh, you know everything at the end uh, <laughs> timed out to be 1-11
1: right. so got and
2: Mike also um, Mike maybe you could talk about too the phenomenon of always oh, catching the clock at 1-11, 11-11
0: oh wow <laughs> yeah that was
2: a uh, lot for us
0: <laughs>
3: probably the first a uh, week or so shortly after i first contacted contact, i 'm sorry about butchering the english language but uh when I first contacted April about doing the film uh, uh it was probably about a week later after we uh um, re- did some planning and uh I started catching eleven eleven and uh i had seen uh i don 't know where it was a couple clips on youtube. Uh, something about the eleven eleven um like the, the if you if you 've seen any of the twenty twelve prophecies uh they some of them have clips about the time of the the great alignment with the center of the universe or center of the galaxy sorry is going to be at eleven eleven u t c so that kind of always stuck out in my head I was like eleven eleven that's
1: <laughs>
3: an unusual time why isn 't it like noon or something? And uh, so, anyway, I, I, shortly after uh, we started working together, I, I would catch the clock, and it would say eleven eleven, eleven eleven here and there, you know, a.m. p.m., you know, all throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And then it became twelve twelve, ten ten, one one one, 2, two two two, three three three, all you know, all different times. And it was probably six months later when, even when we were shooting, um, you know, I'd be rolling the camera, and you, you ever see the time code within the viewfinder of the camera? Constantly spinning, and it would either catch it right at eleven eleven, um, or I'd stop it and it would be stopped at eleven eleven. um oh, wow. some of the uh, even when we were editing and like oh we gotta get the time of that clip and we'd time out. I, I don't know if it was Skip or or Lindsay or one of their clips, and it was a uh, it actually happened a few times where we'd stop the. The computer and the time code would be exactly eleven eleven I'd catch it on the microwave cooking food um, <laughs> different different things you'd, you'd never expect to see it and if you try to look for it, if you wait by the clock waiting for the eleven eleven most likely you won't catch it because something will distract you from seeing it, but if you aren't paying attention and glance over you 'll catch it
2: yeah and and just um I don't know, I was probably bored one day, and we were talking about, you know, the number 11 and how it was really impacting this project. So I went on to MapQuest, and uh, Mike was living in Kukasaki at the time, and I did MapQuest from his house to my house, and sure enough, it was 11 miles away. And then (laughs) when we were filming, we had a really weird thing happen. I had this old Nokia cell phone um, where you kind of had to press two buttons in order to lock the numbers, and it would lock the numbers like Mm -hmm. 10 seconds, you know. So we were in North Carolina and we were filming a woman, uh, Donna Aveni, who's not in the first film but will be in previous films. And we kind of went on a whim by the recommendation of Tom. He said, well, you know, she knows me and she knows the work that I've done. If you guys are heading down this way, why don't you stop off at her house and interview her? So we really didn't know what we were doing. We're like, yeah, hey, this popped up. Let's go with the flow and do it. So I was Driving to Donna's house, I put my cell phone in one of the pockets of the door. I shut the door. We went in and did the film. And I heard the cell phone fall to the floor of the car after, you know, we got out of the car. So I figured, oh, no big deal. I'll just grab it, whatever, when we get out. So Mike then took over driving after that interview, and I asked him, hey, can you hand me my cell phone? It fell on the floor. I heard it fall on the floor. So he handed it over to me, and I had one two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, I think eight ones on my phone. And I looked at that, and I turned to Mike, said some things you probably can't say on the radio. And I was like, oh, my gosh, look at this. I'm like, can you believe this? Because, you know, it's one of those old cell phones that you have to really press the buttons in in order for them to work. And there's no way, you know, eight or nine ones could have just been hit on the phone when it fell. And uh, right. another weird thing that just happened two weeks ago, and I, don't, I have AT&T phone service, so I don't know if this is just something that happens with a lot of people. Maybe it's a coincidence. But um, I was working, and my phone rang only once. And I went to the missed calls, and it was the same exact number. It was all of those ones again. So Mm -hmm. I sent Mike a text quickly. I said, hey, did you just get a text with all these ones? Or, I mean, a telephone call from all these ones? He's like, no. Why did you? And I said, yeah. I said, hey, maybe that means something. Maybe something big is going to happen for the past. And uh, sure enough, we got a phone call from Psychic on Air CBS Radio looking to do an interview with us. Um, So that, yeah, that was really cool, too. It happened on that day. The woman called Mike. She said, I have no idea how I got uh, to your website, um, I don't know why you popped up, but I know I need to interview you guys. So that was really cool too. So whenever eleven shows up or ones
1: consecutively, I pay mm-hmm. attention. Yeah, that was a large convergence there.
0: Yeah. Well, and and here's one more for you. Hillary's number comes up with all ones, so it's ten ones. Mm-hmm. Ten ones there.
2: Oh, it's oh, really?
0: Home.
4: Yeah. Wow. That must mean something. <laughs> there you go. You know, it's interesting. When I was in the airport uh, on my way to London uh, to do the premiere and to uh, be with Tom and, and the crew, um, my first airport receipt—I uh, bought something, you know, a couple little snacks to bring on the plane. Was ele- my my total was eleven eleven, and that's <laughs> the first time that that has ever happened with a receipt um, that I can recall. But I had had the same kind of run-in with 1111 uh, prior to meeting April and Mike myself, and I also have a talk show where I bring on different authors, and we talk about different things, and I had been looking for possible guests, and I had found my way to a website, and um, it was a publisher's website, and there was this book that was called the, The 1111 Code. And uh, I didn't know the author. She was from the U.K., but I contacted them and did everything I could to get her on the air to interview her, and um, it was a fabulous, wonderful, incredible story of her experiences with 11-11 and how it brought her to buying a monastery in, uh, in Spain and going through this whole past life thing. It was just really an incredible, true wow. story. And um, her and I have become friends since that interview, and we've stayed in touch, and our email correspondence back and forth always has some kind of form of eleven in it um, either she 'll send me an email it'll be eleven eleven a m or p m or whatever and the same and, and it 's not even that we 're consciously doing it; it just happens and then same thing as april was saying it's like you, you, it's a it 's a wake up call it 's for you to pay attention, and I always take it as a sign that i 'm on the right path you mm-hmm. know that i'm doing what i 'm supposed to be doing and i'm contributing to something bigger than myself and uh you know all through London when i was with everybody and 11 showed up all the time it was constant and it was always there and it was something that was just saying okay it was validation it's happened so much it's almost like okay i see you hello and i just kind of smile to myself now instead of trying to figure it all out and put all the pieces together because it really does seem to have and hold a higher vibration that that is some kind of you know uh tangible feeling kind of uh you know okay this is real this is something that's happening on a bigger level it's a validation for me so yeah my experience with that kind of was happening before i met mike in april and it happened during and it's still continuing
1: thank you guys for coming out today and uh, uh if you have any if you have any parting words uh feel free
2: yeah, I would just you know love to let people know that they can purchase the DVD through our website at thepathseries.com. Um, they can also find it through amazon.com and filmbaby.com. Uh, it is available for download to your PC. And uh, we would love to see people out to the premiere to travel on out. It's going to be a great experience to be able to ask your que- questions up close and personal to all of the cast members. Uh, tickets are six fifty on our website or $6 if you call the college directly, and all of that information is on our website as well. And we would just really love to thank you guys for having us and doing the wonderful work that you're doing. And we wish you a lot of luck in, with the show.
1: Well, thank you, ma'am. Thank you very much. Can, can I make Hello? a suggestion right quick? Sure. Um, there, there's a book and a, and a movie, if you can find it. It was on CBS at one time. Uh it was Joseph Campbell the power of myth and he did an interview with uh Bill Moyers uh we at the night's awakening we feel like that would be a great format to to make a, a video out of if you could if you could somehow incorporate the, how modern day cultures have lost their myth and that and that is contributing to the deterioration of a, of certain um um You'll, you'll figure it out, but uh, just please just check out that work and and uh, I would suggest making a movie out of it. If I were going to make a movie, that would be it. So uh-huh. um, take that right. into consideration, please.
0: Yeah, you know, looking into Sorry. that, Hillary. Before we go, I just want want to give you an opportunity to plug your book and, and your website and stuff.
4: Oh, sure. Yeah, anybody can contact me on my website at hillaryramo.com. I'm also on Facebook, and so is the PATH series. They're on Facebook as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, And I share a lot of articles and a lot of uh, events and, and things of interest on Facebook. So you can find me there, um, or you can send me an email to hillary at hillary Um I work with clients uh, all over the world uh, by phone, and I work with people locally in upstate New York. So if you want to have a session, I'm available for sessions. Uh, I do past life regression, I do Reiki, I also uh, do intuitive counseling, Um, so I'm available for those things. And my book, Money Matters for Mind, Body, and Spirit, is a holistic approach to financial health and well-being, and uh, you can buy a copy of that on Amazon, Uh, it's in bookstores, and you can also go to my website and order it there as well.